0: So today, though, we're going to continue our sermon series, Made for More, and this series is going to go on for a little while longer, Um, but what we are looking at today is, is a very challenging command that Jesus gives all of his followers, and this series is designed to help us to understand that we are all made for more than what we are currently doing for the gospel. Right, there's always something more we can be doing. There's always something more we can challenge ourselves in. There's always something more that God has for us. If we're looking where he's at, we can always join him in a part of his ongoing story of reconciling a broken humanity back to him. And that's what this series is it's all about. And and this is part three. It's actually a seven-part series. So if you missed the first or second one, I, you know, go, go to our website, get caught up, and, and you'll, that's where we'll lay the groundwork for this. But, but this is, is today something that is challenging, that causes each one of us to be intentional. It's not something that happens automatically for all of us. We have to work at this. And the title of today's sermon is Loving without conditions loving without conditions see when God established his relationship with the Israelites he chose the Israelites to be his people and they were a people that were living amongst all different kinds of nations pagan nations that were doing all kinds of, of things that God in heaven our Creator was not real happy about seeing and so he chooses the Israelites to be his people, to, he wants to set them apart and so he, he, the first five books of the Bible we can read about this where he establishes his way with the Israelites and, 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 and in these books mostly, mostly two through four, uh, Exodus uh, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy he, he establishes the way that he wants his people to live and he teaches them how to live in all the areas whether it's relational how to be a good parent, how to be a good child, how to, how to treat your grandparents, how to be a, a spouse, how to, how to honor your parents, how to love your neighbor, property boundaries, medical stuff, scientific stuff, relational, all of the stuff he puts in the beginning of the Old Testament. He even has specific things that we would call the do's and don'ts of God's word. And we often refer to this as God's laws. We would refer to this as the law. And over time, what happened was it became a list of things that the religious leaders used for the people in the way that they were supposed to live where they had to make sure that every I was dotted and every T was crossed. And that is how you were supposed to live according to the law. And the bottom line is this, you can't measure up to the law. You'll never achieve a righteous way of living according to the law. But then Jesus came along, the Son of God. Jesus comes to reveal, man, to reveal God to mankind, the kingdom of God. And he turns everything upside down. But in reality, what he really did was he turned everything right side up see it's very important to note that Jesus did not do away with the law he didn't do away with God's original plan for mankind on how they were to live but what Jesus did was he brought grace and mercy and that's what the people needed that's what we needed because life is not always black and white right? life is not always this way, that way, this way and there's no other, you know? when we read the gospels we'll see that that Jesus gave more room for grace than the people were used to like especially the religious leaders they, they couldn't comprehend that like, like he looked at each person's situation and allowed for the kingdom of God, allowed for God's Holy Spirit to minister accordingly. For instance, there's a story, kind of a famous story, many of us might know about this, where the religious leaders bring this lady who was caught in the midst of adultery to Jesus. What do you say we do now, teacher? Because the law says we should stone her to death. And it's a fascinating story because Jesus bends down and he starts writing in the sand. There's many theories as to what he's writing in the sand. But I think Pastor Dave had the theory many years ago. He was just doodling, saying, God, help me out here. Help me out. How many times has somebody asked you a question and you're like, God, help me out here? Like Jesus was a... He, he moved in the same gifts of the Holy Spirit that we do. And then he says... He who is without sin can cast the first stone. And they all slowly walked away. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, they're all gone. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Now, did he turn a blind eye to what she was doing? No. He said, go and sin no more. He blesses her. Because I think, I think. First of all, I do have a question. Where was the man? All right. Here's what I think. I think in hearing and listening to God's Holy Spirit, I think Jesus maybe even saw in her eyes the hurt, the baggage she was carrying, the 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 stuff that had happened to her in her life. That she wasn't just a lady that was out having fun. She was a lady who was hurting who had a lot of things that needed to be layers of her life that needed to be peeled back and and unpacked and and, and dealt with and ministered to. And this lady did not need condemnation. She needed to be loved. And the best way to love her was to forgive her of her sins. So Jesus was, was breaking all kinds of social and cultural norms of his time because of grace and mercy it doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye to the things but it means that we look at a person's situation individually and we deal with it according to how we feel God wants us to minister to them because we're all in different places in life and that's grace and that's mercy and when we understand the law and we understand grace and we understand mercy and we understand the undeserved favor we get from God then we can move into the people that we were created to be. Amen? So, so and, and, and here's the thing. The religious leaders of the time, the Jewish religious, they couldn't comprehend this. It didn't fit in their box of who they created God to be. They put God in a box, and this just, this just it blew their minds. They, they, couldn't under, they couldn't comprehend this. Plus, you know what else Jesus was doing? Forgiving people of their sins and only God can forgive people of their sins exactly (laughs) exactly so we're going to look at a scene that we're going to kind of use as the groundwork for today's sermon and 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 it, it comes from the last supper in the last supper Jesus was giving his disciples kind of his last message to them, he knew his time was coming to an end, he knew what was about to happen, and he wanted to give them some last parting words. And, and, and he gives them a command, a new command. And what he does is, he raises the bar as high as it can go when it comes to relationships with people. And so we're going to read a little passage in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 13, Verse 34. Okay, I'm trying to find it. Gosh. Okay, here it is. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So how does Jesus love us? Unconditionally, right? Like, I think so unconditionally that sometimes we take it for granted. Like, I always kind of check myself, like, God, I don't ever want to take your love for me for granted. I don't ever want to take how you treat me for granted. Ever. but he loves us no conditions and this is a high calling it's beyond what the Israelites were taught with the original commandment that God gave them when he was establishing the ways that he wanted them to live in Leviticus chapter 19 when he says we are to love our neighbors as ourselves love your neighbor as yourself The original commandment was to love others the way we want to be loved. Like, we are to treat others the way we would expect them to treat us. That was the original commandment. Now Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new commandment. This is a higher level of love. The measure of love we are to have for others is not what we would expect in return. The measure of love that we are to have for others is the measure of love that God shows us. The love we receive from Jesus is the love we are to extend to others. Unconditional. No terms. No limits. How many times have you... you, you know, you, you, uh, you download an app or something and then you, you get to the terms and, and conditions thing and it's, it's, it's so long, you just scroll all the way down to the bottom, check the box and say, I agree there's all kinds of terms and all kinds of conditions, I, I had to go to um, um, I had to get a notary and so the UPS store, in case you're ever wondering, has a notary right there, boom 24 hours or whatever, they're open and so she gives me the thing and she goes and here's the terms and conditions and I was like And I joked. I said, well, what if I just stood here and read this whole thing? And she said, well, you'd be surprised. Some people do. And I was like, sign. I don't care. But everything has terms and everything has limits and everything has conditions, right? But as followers of Jesus, our love for others is not supposed to. It's to be unconditional. Now, there's many stories, again, of Jesus breaking the cultural barriers and the social norms of his time by elevating people and restoring their hope and dignity in life. If Jesus put a term and a condition on my relationship with him, I think there would be areas where I would be afraid to talk to him about now. Because I know that there's a limit to that. And so I don't want him to know about that, even though he knows everything. And he says, Chip, I don't care. I don't care I just want to have a relationship with you and and to keep this relationship intact I'm gonna help you when you mess up come to me and we'll walk through this together that's unconditional we're gonna look at a couple of of little stories too, where where Jesus breaks these these cultural norms and these social norms of, 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 of the day but see the religious leaders though they questioned this in Jesus how can you love people unconditionally when the law says this? Well, we can't live according to the law where every T has to be crossed and every I dotted. It's impossible. But these stories of Jesus are, are examples of God's unconditional love for mankind. And Jesus, the reason we have these stories in the Gospels is because he was modeling For us, the love that we are to show for others. So if you question how I'm supposed to love somebody around me, read the Gospels. And you'll see that Jesus loved. You know, even there's a story where um, there's a Roman centurion. And he has a guy in in his unit who's sick at home. And he comes to Jesus like a Roman centurion comes to the Jewish person and says, I need some help would you please come to my home and heal my person and heal heal my, my friend my guy and Jesus says you know what I see your face I don't even need to go I'm gonna heal him right here that was unheard of say a religious leader and a Roman centurion coming together like that so so and then again this is such an important commandment that two chapters later in the gospel of John Jesus says it again in John 15 verse 12 this is my commandment Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So all throughout the scriptures in the New Testament, now we have this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he writes these letters to these churches, and and all throughout the New Testament are these love one another verses, how we are to treat those around us. And there's a very specific passage that we're going to look at today that we often hear at weddings, And this is the passage that basically defines love. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it starts in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This is a sermon series in and of itself right here. This right here is what unconditional love looks like, right there. And it isn't easy. Married couples, love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> you put that stuff in the past, it's over with. You've made up, you move on. This is what love without terms and conditions looks like. There's no limits. As human beings, though, don't we tend to put passages, uh, conditions on a passage like this? Like, I'm pretty sure, even, even me, L- listen, listen, you know how challenged I was this week, like to be a better person, studying for this? Ask Kim. We have conversations, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about that right now, I'm really struggling, I, I got I to, you know what, there's areas that God is working in me on. We read a passage like this, and all of a sudden, things that have been done to us pop up into our heads, and we're like, yeah, but, there's no yeah, buts, church. This is it right here. See, here's the deal. The terms and the conditions that we put on passages like this, they often come from our past. Or maybe even a current experience that we're dealing with. Maybe it's a certain person or maybe it's people. You know, things that have been done to us or experiences that have shaped who we are today. And now we've put conditions on those areas of our lives. And I'm not talking about there are some areas in our lives where we need some boundaries. There are some areas in our lives where we need some wisdom in guarding our heart. I I understand that, And, and, and rightfully so. But here's the deal. Maybe what's happening is that we just need some time to work through the hurts to help get us to a place of unconditional love. And I think as long as we're working on that, we're in a good place. But when we dig our heels in the ground and we say, there is no way, there is no way I'm, I'm going to do some of these things. Then, stuff starts harboring inside of us, right? And, and a callousness of our hearts starts growing and there's a hardness there. And there's areas in our lives now that we won't deal with. And When we are honest with God about the hurts and the things in our past, where all of a sudden we go, yeah, I can do this, that, and the other in that passage, but not those other ones. When we're honest with God about it, that is where the inner healing of God's Holy Spirit begins to to work in our lives. And He begins to show us things, and He begins to reveal things, and He begins to bring people into our lives. You know, know, I was thinking think about this last night. Do you know why sometimes most of the difficult people in your lives you come across in church? Right? You get upset because somebody said something. You get upset because somebody did this. You get upset because you don't like the way they act. You want to know why? Because we're all here trying to better ourselves. We're broken people trying to become the people Jesus created us to be. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And if we could learn to love unconditionally, we might be the person who helps another person get over some past hurts. The church is where broken people come to to receive healing. And if they're not welcomed, they're not going to receive the healing that Jesus wants to give to them. Amen? Love is patient. Gosh, we're not easing into this are we I'm not a very patient person I I can pretend that I am but but I'm but I'm you know what if I'm being honest I'm not drive with me around town I got problems man and now I have one kid that has her license and another one working on his temps I I kids drive as I say not as I do <laughs> love is patient so how many of us put conditions on our patience with others and we do this without even thinking about it like people just oh things traffic work whatever there's a there's a story in 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 uh, uh Matthew chapter 14 and it has to do, it starts out with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was beheaded. Now John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Both John and Jesus were miracle babies. Jesus, we, we all know, was born of a virgin, Mary, and Joseph helped raise him, and, 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 and that was a miracle. Well, well, John was Jesus' cousin, and his parents were elderly. They were too old to have children. And whoop, Elizabeth is pregnant, his mother. Well, John had a specific role in life. And John was like the crazy man that lived out in the woods. He preached a message of repentance. Turn or burn was his message. He lived in the woods. He ate locusts and tree bark and made his own clothes. And he probably was just like this crazy guy. And and he he rubbed the, the kings the wrong way and the leaders the wrong way. He preached a message of repentance. But what his preaching did was it prepared the hearts of the people for the Messiah who was to come. And he he would preach a message of repentance, and then he would baptize people. He had a team of baptized people in the water. And then Jesus comes along. It's time for Jesus' ministry to get started. John baptizes Jesus. A voice from heaven speaks out. This is my son. I'm well pleased. And John says, he must increase and I must decrease. Well, John still said a few things that upset King Herod, the Roman ruler of Galilee, And so, eventually, he gets beheaded. King Herod finally has his way. Well, now we pick up in the story in Matthew chapter 14, and it says this. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Sounds like he wants to grieve a little bit, right? Sounds like he wants to think about things for a minute. Sounds like he wants to spend some time with his father and think about his cousin John. That's when I'm picking up on this. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. How many? Hundreds? Thousands? Of people? All went to go where Jesus, I don't know, we don't know where he's going. He's in that boat. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now how many of us in a moment of grief would say, can you just give me a minute? I need a minute. And, and, and you know what, most people would say, oh I understand. They might not have known where Jesus was at, mentally, maybe at the time, right? Grieving. Just wants to be alone. I just want to be alone for a minute. How many of you got? I just want to be alone for a minute. If you've got more than three kids, you probably say that a lot. I just want to be alone for a minute can you just give me a minute here's the thing Jesus didn't tell anybody that he needed some space he saw the need of a broken humanity with compassion and he spent time with them he healed their sick they were coming with a need he saw the fact that there was all this stuff these people He loved on them. He taught them. He restored their dignity. He had patience with them. That's what I'm reading in here. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. That last part is repeated again in the book of Colossians. Have patience with each other. Make allowance for people's faults. Okay, so your coworker is always messing up. Maybe your spouse or your child or your parent or somebody is always being goofy and you gotta fix whatever it is. Make allowance for that. Give them have some patience with them. Right? It's not easy. Because sometimes, this is the fourth time this week I've had to deal with the same thing. Make allowance for that. Give some room. Because when we are intentional, see, here's the thing. This is intentional living at its highest level. Because you're allowing people to make mistakes and you're not pointing it out. You know what? You know what I've come to the conclusion of? Most people already know when they've made a mistake. Right? They know when they've messed up. They don't need somebody to point it out to them. Just help them. What they need is somebody to help them. Come alongside them. And we can be that person. And in doing so, people will see Jesus in us. So that's one. Love is kind. Kindness. Oh, that's easy, Chip. I can do that. As long as people respect me, I can be kind. I can be kind as long as other people are being kind. That's an easy one. Can you be kind when people are not being kind to you? Can you be kind when people are not very nice? Listen to this story in Luke chapter 19, all right? There's a story about a, a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little... All right, no. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and the Bible says that he had become very rich, very rich collecting taxes from the people. Zacchaeus was despised by the community because of this. The community saw him as worse than a sinner. And you know what? He probably was. Now Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming to town one day and he, something stirs inside of him. He says, I've been hearing about this Jesus. I want to I get a glimpse. I want to get a look. I want to see him. So he finds this tree. He climbs up in this tree, all right? Now, Zac- Jesus comes along. And this, again, this is where I believe Jesus is listening to God's Holy Spirit. Like, if you, if you missed the first two sermons of this series, go back, because this is where, this is where and, and, and listen to those, watch those, because this is where we become a part of God's story of reconciling a broken humanity back to himself. Zacchaeus was probably riddled with guilt. Like, when he went home at night, he wasn't rolling around in all the gold coins and things that he was collecting from people. He might have started feeling bad about it. And he wants to see this Jesus. And then Jesus, so here's what I see, all kinds of crowds and stuff, and there's hooting and hollering, and everybody's happy. Jesus is coming to town. We're going to hope he's going to heal everybody. I don't know what he's going to talk about, but whatever it is, it's going to be mind-blowing. I, I, I've heard about him. And then Jesus stops, and, and this is what I picture it. The Holy Spirit says, Zacchaeus, his name is Zacchaeus, and you're going to go to his house today. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to be a guest at your house today. The man who everybody despised in their community. Look at how the people responded in Luke 19, verse 7. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Why would he go spend time with that guy? Because that guy got saved that day. (laughs) found freedom in Jesus. The kingdom of God crashed into his life and he was forever changed, paid people back all the money he stole from them. Zacchaeus was never the same. See, Jesus broke many social norms and cultural barriers to show kindness to others. Jesus probably heard the grumbling. Jesus probably, and probably, probably, Probably Peter was like, Jesus, do you know who that guy is? Or he's like, I'm not, Luke, I'm not butting in this time. Jesus, here's the thing, church, he leads by example. There might be people in our lives, co workers, friends, family members, neighbors, whoever. That everybody else is like, you, don't, you don't, don't have anything to do with that person. Well, what if you're the person that God is calling to show kindness to them? What if, what if their life has, has had, because of whatever, so many people have kind of rejected them, that now they have this, 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 this cloud over them, and, and they're just not a very nice person anymore. And it takes the one act of kindness from a follower of Jesus to usher in the kingdom of God how can we show kindness to those who are despised by society because if you feel like God is calling you to do that and if you have an honest conversation with him he will start pointing people out in your life and your world will be rocked And so will theirs. God is always looking for people to join him in his story of reconciliation. And by doing so then, we are extending the love of Jesus to others. Listen to this passage, Ephesians chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That is a challenging passage where the banner of love is kind is over. That's hard. All of that is hard. But let's move on. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jealousy. Jealousy is an indication that we're not satisfied. What is jealousy called? That green-eyed monster? We're not satisfied. We're not even satisfied for what God has provided for us. That's what jealousy is. When the religious leaders brought Jesus to Pilate, right? They had him arrested, and, and they brought him to Pilate because, you know, they kind of wanted to wash their hands of everything because, well, you know. And, and listen to this. In, in Matthew chapter 27, it says this. Pilate knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. That is not a sentence that I would want in my book of life. He had done this to one of God's chosen out of envy. James chapter 3 says this in verse 16, For whenever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Jealousy and selfish ambition are not, not the character traits that we really want to have within us as a follower of Jesus. Proverbs 14 says this, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer to the bones. Some of us know this. Jealousy rots inside of us. Makes us ugly people. Envy and jealousy are closely related and and, and they're the result of a dissatisfied heart. For whatever reason, it's a condition of our heart. Where are we at in life? Why is it that we're not satisfied? Why is it that that every time we look at somebody else, we want what they have? We're not happy with the success that they have. We think to ourselves, they shouldn't have that, I should have that. It becomes all about me. It's an ugly, ugly thing. Are we content? Are we satisfied with the provision of God? In order to be unconditional, can't have jealousy we can't have selfish ambitions in our hearts love is not boastful or proud unconditional love is humble it does not brag or is prideful again these are conditions of the heart and you know what you can become pride proud in your humility as well You ever meet a person like that where they're so proud of their humility they need a good talking to they are so humble they just want you to know about it <laughs> you know a person when they're truly humble because they are for real they, we use these adjectives about them they're real, they're authentic, they're genuine you want to be around that person that's humility James chapter 4 says this God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know why he opposes the proud? Because Lucifer was proud. Pride crept into Lucifer's being and that's the beginning of his downfall. We've all heard this phrase. So, so, wait, the Spirit of God has placed in us... The Spirit God has placed in us should be one of humility. Humility will drive away pride all the time. Humility is respectful to others. Humility creates a servant's heart. Because as followers of Jesus, it's all about serving others. And we can't serve others if we don't know how to put others first. And that's where humility comes in at. You know, we've all heard the phrase that respect is earned. That's a phrase that comes out of a me attitude. Respect isn't earned. Nobody needs to earn your respect. Respect is given. We give others our respect. We, we respect others because it's a way of, of elevating another human being, restoring their dignity, making them feel worthy. When you demand respect from others, it's all about you. But when you give respect, it elevates those around you. Love is not rude. You know what? Being rude is just rude. <laughs> it's degrading to another person, right? We are to lift others up. We are to serve them. Nobody likes that rude person who's always got something to say that cuts you down or makes you feel bad or, you know, uh, whatever, in the store. Just just rudeness. We we all just, ugh. Philippians chapter 2 says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take interest in others too. Look out for others. They need some help, look out for them. Especially in the store, because you know why? When you do that to a stranger, you have no idea what's happening. You have no idea. You know, I remember there was a, I don't know, a year, a couple years ago. There's a guy in a grocery store and, um, in front of me and, and he gets to the end of the thing and then he starts telling the cashier, he says, no, you go put that one back, no, put that one back, no, put that one back. And I started figuring out what he was doing. He was coming to the end of his, he was watching the, the, the dollar signs click up and he's like, I only got so much, he was paying in cash. And I said, hey, listen, I just, I just, you know, like, like I felt it, I felt it, I felt it, I felt it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. Hey, hey listen, dude, I, I got it. Just put it on there. i get the rest. Just, I said, put it on mine. You know, so he said no no I said no really Oh, please and he sees I have a vineyard shirt on turns out he goes to another vineyard ha! but you know not only did it make me feel good that, that I, was, I was able to help somebody who was in a need but how do you think that made him feel that somebody else said I got you man you know we're not always in a place that we can help somebody else, but when we are, do it. Go for it. You never know. May, and you know what? You know what, who knows where this guy was at? Maybe, maybe, maybe he was like one Sunday away from not going to church anymore. We we don't know. Second Timothy chapter two. Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Whoa. That's the New Living Translation. I didn't look to see what the other ones say, but I was just like, ah, gosh, there we are again, Lord. You just bring that convicting word. Now, if you're sitting there saying to yourself, I don't really have any difficult people around me. Well, you could be a difficult person. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it, though? People are difficult. And I think sometimes, more than often than not, people are difficult because they've got a lot of stuff going on. They've got stuff rolling around in their head. They've they just, just, they got a short fuse because they're, just, they're, just, they're at the end of their... They're just, just... Ah, stuff is going on. And if we can be kind them, we might help them. So, I just want to read the rest of this passage. We could be here all day. That's just the first verse. That was verse 4. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. I know, Kim. I know. I'm working on it. (laughs) <laughs> and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Loving without conditions is forgiving. It does not rejoice when others fail. It is not demanding. It is hopeful, and it never gives up on others. Ever, never, ever. Does Jesus ever give up on us? No. Loving without conditions is always rooting for those around you. Loving without conditions is walking into a room, sitting down at a table, coming into a meeting, coming into a group of people with the mindset that everybody before me has the best of intentions. Loving without conditions is asking ourselves, am I to others who Jesus is to me? And then I want to end it with, we'll bring it home with this. I want to read a passage from Titus. Chapter 3, it starts with verse 4. When God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us the confidence that we now that we will inherit eternal life. It's the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness from God through His Son Jesus, that we experience His kindness and unconditional love. It is being made right with God by the grace and forgiveness through Jesus that he shows us. And that is how we become a changed person who now has the hope of eternal life in heaven. It is God's Holy Spirit that lives within us that makes everything we just talked about today a possible way to live. Maybe there's areas we need help in. Maybe there's areas we struggle in. Let's be real with God about it, church. Jesus, help me in that area. Because it isn't easy, but it begins with prayer. Asking Jesus to help us. Help me be more patient, God. Help me be more loving. Drive away this pride. Drive away this jealousy. Remove from me the things that I'm dealing with, God, that, that you don't want in me anymore. The irritabilities with other people, the selfish ambition that I have that just it's yeah, and the rudeness. God, I I've you know what, Jesus, I just realized that I am really rude to people. Would you help me not be so rude? If we have these honest conversations, he will change your heart. Help me to be kind and helpful to never give up on those around me, and to never give up on myself, God. See, when we love without conditions, when we love in the same manner that Jesus loves us, what did he say in John 13? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I'll end it with this. The extent that we are willing to love others is the extent that to which others will see Jesus in us. Amen? Let's pray. I thank you for the changed heart that only you can bring in a person. I thank you, God, for the challenges that you lay before us, God. And I thank you, Jesus, for those in this room who are saying, you know what, I got some things to work on. And Jesus, I just realized it's your help that I need.